Locked On NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, I'm joined by John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. So we're going to talk about Boston's chances in the NBA bubble, Kemba Walker's knee injury, and then we're going to look at some players who we think could be the big breakout stars of the NBA restart. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble. We are closing in on NBA Restart, under three weeks to go before the before the league kicks things back off. And today, I'm going to be talking to John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We're going to be looking at Kemba Walker, his knee injury, where the Celtics sit with a relatively healthy roster, or actually fully healthy roster heading into Orlando, and then look at some breakout players of what we might be seeing down there in the bubble. John Corrales, Locked On Celtics, uh, Boston. They are a team, obviously, that was sitting pretty good uh, before the before the, the season shut down in terms of the standings. But there were a few injury worries. Let's get the big one out of the way. Kemba Walker, uh, after the All-Star game, came back with some knee problems. It's a, a long-standing condition. He had some time off. And uh, now Brad Stevens is coming out saying, while he's fine, we're going to be managing him through. Now, does that mean that we're going to be seeing a limited minutes through the eight-game regular season? Does that mean he's not going to be fully ready to go in the playoffs? So where are we at with Kemba and his knee? Um, well, starting with what Kemba said, he said that, that this layoff was very necessary for him, that he really benefited from it and the knee feels good. The Celtics have then since said, yes, but we're not going to take any chances because we don't want to have this flare up again. And it's a little bit concerning because after hearing Kemba say, yeah, I feel good, the Celtics are like, yeah, well, hold on. So that does mean minutes restrictions. He, The Celtics on Sunday had their first true hard practice, and Kemba did not participate. And okay. I'm, su- I'm assuming he's going to participate in the Monday practice, which will also be another hard practice, and the Celtics will then take Tuesday off. So I think getting Kemba some work in there, going hard, and then giving a day to rest is going to be the plan for now. It's going to be a slow ramp up for him. They want to make sure that come mid-August, a little more than a month from now when the playoffs roll around, they want to make sure that he's good. The last thing that they want is to be like, okay, Kemba's fine. Let's roll him out there. Just go nuts. Go play. And then two weeks into this, he's like, oh, yep, my knee hurts again. That they need him for the playoffs, and that that's going to be their number one focus. That is a little concerning that, that he's not, you know, after four months off, that he didn't participate in that practice. You'd think that, okay, we have to ramp these guys back up, that maybe he'd do a, a little bit of work in that. So that's a, that's a little bit uh, worrisome. And we had that worry uh, even back in March when you know, straight after the All-Star game, he was sitting out these games and just didn't look quite as comfortable. So that, that is a, a level of concern, I guess, there. So... 
Boston currently in the three seed. We're hearing about minutes restrictions. How do you think that they're going to be approaching these eight regular season games? Is it going to be a preseason situation? Are they going to be pushing for the two seed? How do you think? What do you think the focus of Brad Stevens is going to be? Yeah, they they have a path to get that two seed. Their schedule is is fairly easy, and they've got both Brooklyn and Washington on their schedule. But even so. I don't think they're going to make a full-on push for that second seed. I think what Brad Stevens is really focusing on, he said it probably two or three times now when we've talked to him, it's about August 17th. It's about the start of the playoffs. That is their number one focus. And so they're not going to do anything, be it Kemba, be it Jason Tatum, whomever. They're not going to do anything that they feel like jeopardizes August 17th because they feel like they have – an opportunity here to make a real run. And one one thing that Brad Stevens has said multiple times as well is it's the team that has uh, the real grit. Uh, he puts it, the team that can find joy in this. Uh, that's the team that's going to have a great chance at, at the end of all of this. And he feels like with the talent that the Celtics have, the chemistry that they have, and their ability to kind of rally around this this kind of tough situation that they they have a real chance to take advantage of what's happening and and being in a, a neutral court and and all of that so he is not going to play uh Jason Tatum or Kemba Walker or any of these guys 40 minutes in that first game and the Celtics Bucks in the first matchup that's a big game but he's he's going to approach that as the slow ramp up. So I think those guys are still going to play like their 30 to 32 minutes in that game. And maybe like the second to last game, they're going to have one big push where they get 40 minutes in and then they, they slow down a little bit and they get themselves right for the playoffs. John, do you like fixing your own car? You know, I have uh, a very limited knowledge Sounds of like when mate. it comes to fixing my own car, but I do like to do things myself. So even those little things like windshield wipers or headlights or taillights, I, I mean, I, I will do as much as I possibly can on my own. So if you're like John and you like to do stuff yourself and, and like to you know, do these little things, or even if it's big things and you like to completely service your own car, why would you go to your local auto store when you can just go straight to rockauto.com? rockauto.com, they don't have different prices for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. You go to rockauto.com, it's the same low price right across the board. Why would you want to spend you know, 50% more to walk into a store and they might not even have the part that you need there when you can go straight onto your computer and go to rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go there, you can get those auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications and prices you prefer. And best of all, prices at Rock Auto, they're always reliably low. Why would you spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. John, back to the standings. Um, now, uh, this is where, where how I see this. Obviously, that they can catch Toronto for the two seed. They're a fair, they're a decent way back. In terms of home court advantage, it obviously means nothing now. 
The only real difference to that is being in the two or three seed means you avoid the Bucks until the conference finals. So that, that doesn't change. What it, The difference there is it's main, mainly a decision between if you're in the three seed, you're probably taking on the Indiana Pacers. Without Victor Oladipo, the Sixers will probably get the five. The Pacers will probably get the six. That's how I see that going. In the seventh seed, it's most likely going to be the Magic because Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley are going to be playing minutes for the Nets. So they'll likely slip down there. So you're likely it's likely a decision between Orlando in the first round or Indiana in the first round. Yeah, if they want to manipulate things there. Now, I am 100% sure the Celtics have confidence that they can knock both of those teams off. But do you think that the difference between the Pacers and the Magic would would force any push towards that? Or they just would go, we don't care, we're confident we'll beat whoever in that first round? Yeah, I, I think the Celtics feel pretty good about their chances against either team. So that's part of why there's no monster push to, to feel like the two seed is important. I don't think the Celtics go into a series against the Pacers or Orlando feeling like, uh, we, we're, we're kind of screwed here. Even the, even the Sixers who is the worst matchup for the Celtics and who they struggled against, uh, a bit. I, I know that they feel like under different circumstances, under these circumstances, they'll, they'll be a little bit better. Philly doesn't have their home crowd. They played amazing at home. Yep. Uh, the Celtics are fully healthy. I don't think the Celtics played Philly with a full squad either time or any, I think, three times. Uh, they And the one time that they didn't catch Philly on a back-to-back, the Celtics were on back-to-backs, uh, or that actually the, they opened up the season against Philly. Then they had a back-to-back. Point is, the next time they played them not on a back-to-back, they beat them. And they made they made Embiid look pretty bad for a little while. So the Celtics feel good, even even if they did pull Philly. But being in third, Pacers, Magic, that that's going to be that's a comfortable spot for them. There's and, and again, that's the one of the primary reasons why Brad Stevens can focus on ramping guys up more slowly and making sure that health is the priority. What I want to talk about in today's show is potential breakout players in Orlando, but let's stay close to home for you, John, and let's talk about Jason Tatum. Over his last you know, couple of months before the season shut down, he was averaging almost 30 points a game. He put his usage up to over 30%. He was the Celtics' best player. He probably still remains the Celtics' best player, now taking that mantle away from Kemba Walker. In his last 21 games, he was shooting 45% from three. That's obviously a huge factor in why he was playing so well, but it's not just that. The minutes were up. The scoring was up. He was doing so, so much for this team. Um so I guess the, the loss of Kemba is not ideal, but having Tatum there who's scoring 30 points in you know, nearly every game towards the end of the season must give a, a level of confidence that we're not losing our best player. We've got him here. He's 21 years of age, and he has really stepped forward. Um, is there any concern that the four months off halts that momentum, or is he's just this good now? Well, I mean, there there's always going to be some concern because as much as we've seen... Tatum take that step forward, the sample size is still small. Yeah. And you, you can say, look, he's he's only a, a third-year player. So the rookie year is the rookie year. It was a decent rookie year. The second year, depending on how you look at it, some people will call it a step back. I prefer to call it not as big a leap forward as people expected. So more stagnant than anything, any sort of regression. And then this year – Struggled a little bit at first and then found his footing once he was named to the all-star team. So where's that confidence level? It, the confidence level for him is it was really the key for that explosion because once he felt like he was an all-star, he uh, he took a lot of pressure off of himself and he kind of he kind of blossomed. 
I still think that's there. So I still think the potential for him to to have that, the, a, a return to something close to that, is there. But also, he was shooting what forty six percent from three over the past couple yeah, of months. Post All Star break numbers are are a little inflated. He he really got hot. So there there's going to be a little bit of regression. I can't expect him to average thirty points a game like he did over the past couple of months before the season shut down. So, but how close can he get to that? Can he can he get close? Can he have those nights? Can he be a guy that drops forty plus points in a, in a game that wins you a playoff game just by himself? It's there. He's demonstrated that it's there. But it's one of the big question marks for the Celtics uh, and and across the league because if Jason Tatum is that, then that means Jason Tatum can be the best player in a series. I mean, certainly in any of the first round series. Even then, if he's that good, if he's playing like he was playing post All Star, then. Uh, he was not even, I, I keep saying post all-star, but like since January, but if he's that good, then he would probably be even the best player, uh, in a series against Toronto, which is a little bit of a, a shift in the balance between, between those two teams. And then up against Milwaukee, obviously Giannis is, is the best player, but suddenly Tatum gets close to kind of matching some of that production. Um, and and makes the the difference between the number one player and the number two player, he shortens that gap. And how much he can shorten that gap is going to be huge because then the Celtics' second, third, and fourth, and fifth best players, how do they stack up against Milwaukee's second, third, fourth, fifth, fifth best players? That can be the difference in, in what could be like an epic series. Let me ask you an interesting question. Well, you might not even find it interesting, but we talk about how you know the, you're shooting those 45, 46% since January onwards from the three-point line, and that's, that's really, really good. Um, he doubled his free throw rate. He went from three attempts to six attempts, three attempts last season, six attempts in that little period, but only 75% from the line. Is there any explanation for that? Because that he was 85% last year. That is a big, big drop-off. And he's only at 81% this season. But 75% is a below-average free-throw percentage for a player. Um, was there a change in routine? What was happening there? Was it a, I am taking on so much of this larger load now that maybe just a extra fatigue level sitting in there? Because it's, it it's probably not anything. But is anything you notice with that? I, you know, that's a good question, I, and I don't have an answer for that. My my guess would be the the fatigue because not only is he doing all of that stuff, and and carrying an offense, and a lot of this production came when Kemba went down. So he was he really like you said he he pumped up his usage rate. He's out there. He was working really hard, and he's not one of those guys that takes possessions off on the other end. So he's been a, a really good defensive player, as well. Um, certainly not like Marcus smart levels, but he's been really good defensively, especially on the help side, on the weak side, getting into passing lanes. So he's putting in a lot of work on both ends of the floor. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that sometimes he's probably a little tired. Uh, I'd probably, it'd probably be interesting to see uh, how many of those misses were on the front end of, of the two shots, because you know, that that's before you get to, you know, regulate your breathing uh, a little bit. So uh, I mean, he and, and there was that famous one against the Houston Rockets where he missed the first one, and then he was forced to miss the second one, and that set up a, a, a game-tying three-pointer from Jalen Brown, one of those absurd plays. So I think I think the front end missing tired thing there might be some validity to that. 
Let's move away from Boston now, and let's just talk about the NBA restart as a whole, because there are players, of course, not going. Half the Brooklyn Nets team isn't going. Victor Oladipo, we talked about him. Trevor Ariza not going for Portland. There are plenty of players who have decided not to attend. But what this could mean is opportunities for other players. But there's also just the natural progression of guys who guys who may have worked harder than other players during this time off. So which guys, are, let's start by talking, which guys do you think are going to be the breakout stars. I think Tatum is going to be one of those players. Um, who do you think is you know looking to be your pick as a breakout type of guy that not necessarily is an unknown guy, but someone who just takes it to that next level? Whew. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who does that. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Dallas as one of the sleeper teams. So um, can, can Kristaps Porzingis kind of, reach that get back to that kind of elite level i think that's a good so you know i i think i think with dallas everybody's looking at luca and Kristaps has been okay but you know he was coming back from that injury the extra four months the you know uh, all of that time to kind of go through and and think the game and think through things with his teammates uh we'll see what kind of opportunity that that's given them to kind of work more closely now that they're they're back together uh on the floor can all of that film study can all of that extra recovery can that lead to Kristaps really being a a a a big time second option because now with luca and if Kristaps can raise raise his game to that level then dallas becomes a lot more dangerous um so that that might be one of the top guys uh i'm looking at obviously you, you look at a team like portland and can can Dame go on a, a big run? But I'm also looking at like Yusuf Nurkic, and what what's he going to be? And if if Nurk can come back and and what he was prior to the injury, then all of a sudden Portland becomes much more dangerous. And then they, you know, either they overtake. Everybody's talking about New Orleans getting New Orleans in there and getting them into the eighth seed, but like. Uh, can Portland overtake Memphis uh, and get into a play-in or something like that and and make things dangerous? Uh, in the East, I'm watching Joel Embiid. Just but before you go into that, John, I'll, I just want to talk about Portland for a second. That, that's in, that's true. Yeah. Nurkic is, is great, but that just means that Kamala Anthony is playing the three. So is that benefit from Nurkic taking some of those wide side minutes offset by putting Mello in a situation where he's going to get roasted every single possession? Like that is. I think that that's a real worry for him. Like in Mello was a, a nice story this year, started off well, but I think it also gets it's also missed a little bit that he wasn't that great after that start. Like he was okay, he was solid enough, but now if he has to play the three with no Trevor Ariza and the other options are Nasir Little or, or Gary Trent, who's played pretty well, but he's not a three. Uh, I think that's that's a real concern for them. So while on paper mm-hmm. yeah, Nurkic is back, that's great. That just pushes Mello to another spot, which could be a real problem. No, that's true. Um, and look, it's if if it becomes a problem, it's the playoffs. You you eliminate that problem. You don't play them, and if you you can't regular season is one thing. Um, you can't you can't put your your team at risk uh, if you can find a better option. That's the thing. They don't have a better option though. That's that. There's they got two threes. It's Nasir Little and it's Carmelo Anthony. So unless they're right. going to play but- CJ McCollum full time there, then it's they're in real trouble. No, that's I mean that that's fair, but like uh, addition by subtraction of not having Carmelo on the floor is still you yeah, can maybe. still find you know a little bit of a better option 
just by not having him on the floor. And with but po- I'm very anti Melo at this point anyway. So with Porzingis, I think the other thing that gets lost with him is remember there's so much stuff. Oh, why aren't they giving it to him in the post? He's struggling. Yeah, his last nine games before the hiatus. Now some of those Doncic didn't play, and this is including his last two games where he shot a combined. Let me add this up: seven of thirty-two in his last two games. Obviously, that's horrible. But in his last nine games, he averaged 23 and 11. He hit over three threes and he blocked three shots per game. And before those last two games where he scored nine points in each of them, really weird games, he was 26 and 11 with four threes, three steals, and four blocks. 34 and 12 with five blocks and three threes. 36 and 13 with six threes and five blocks. 24 and 13 with six threes. 28 and 12 with four blocks and uh, with four threes and three blocks. Like that is a six game run or five game run there before those weird two shooting games where he was absolutely dominating. And yes, some of it is without Doncic and his games without Doncic have been great. But if he can work out how to do that with Luka there, then they are going to be absolute monsters because those are stupidly good numbers from Porzingis. And if he can figure out how to do that with Luka, then you're right. They, they are one to watch. Now, you did mention Joel Embiid. Um, he has, I guess, expressed some dislike for the bubble situation. He's there. He's going to play. Yeah. <laughs> but he was injured. Much like Ben Simmons was injured before the um, before the season shut down. He played one game and then the season was done. So what are you looking to see? What sort of shape he's in? What sort of effort he's giving? What are you looking for with Embiid here? Yeah, well, I, I am looking for that. I'm looking to see what kind of shape he's in because he's notorious for not being in shape. Yep. Um, and uh, I want to see really the two biggest issues are what kind of physical condition is he in and what kind of mental condition is he in? Because Joel Embiid does have a a tendency to to let things get to him, and if he's not right mentally, then that's going to be a problem, and that can translate to things on the floor. Uh, if he's not right physically, obviously he's not. It, it's going to be harder for him to get himself into the type of shape he needs to be in to to um, to really help Philly achieve some of these things that they're trying to achieve and it also puts him at a higher risk for injury which he's been prone to to suffering if if he's carrying too much weight if he's trying to do too much then the lower body especially on a guy like Embiid especially on a big guy can that that would make him more susceptible to you know some sort of strain or or something like that so I'm really watching Embiid I'm watching Philly in general also, because I know uh, Ben Simmons is is back and feels healthy, feels better than he did, I think, before uh, at any point during the regular season. But back to what Brad Stevens said about the team that can find great joy and find their grit. That has not been a defining characteristic of the Sixers. And if they can't find that togetherness, if they can't find that thing then they are really at risk for an early exit. And and I think something like this, when you put pressure on a team like that, it tends to expose flaws more than it tends to expose strengths. So uh, I think Philly might be the most fascinating team in the bubble. Yeah, they are. And you mentioned it before, how good their home record is as well, and they don't have that advantage now. So is it was it a, a factor of them being really, really good at home and really bad on the road? Or, you know, is the neutral does the neutral site diminish their home court advantage more than it enhances their road uh, discrepancy? Like that, that that's a question for them. But one guy I think is going to be a real breakout. Guy, not necessarily going to lead to much success for their team. But Karis LeVert, no Spencer Dinwiddie, no Kyrie Irving, no Torian Prince, oh, sure, yeah. no Kevin Durant. He's going to get every shot 
in the world. Now, he was playing really, really well before the shutdown. I think he's got a chance to even average 25 a game here, six assists per game. He's, you know, he plays pretty solid defense. Sometimes the shooting can be rough, but he is going to get so many shots. He's going to really look like a breakout star. Maybe this is, and now I, I, I hate this term, but this is maybe is a massive showcase scenario because I'm not sure how he fits with an Irving, Durant, uh, healthy combination on that team. So he can go here, drop 25 and 6, 25 and 7 as the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands literally every possession that Jamal Crawford's not on the court at least. Um, and that could really amplify his trade value. So to me, he has got an opportunity to not only put up huge numbers, but also find himself in a potentially better situation from an individual perspective, not necessarily a team perspective, for next season. So he's one that I really, really want, want to watch. And Jakob Pertl in San Antonio. They're going to be miserable to watch. But no Lamarcus Aldridge. I think he's going to, I think he can make some money, Jakob Pertl, in restricted free agency. And this is his chance to do it. Go out there, block yeah. some shots, be a real presence down there, and be that guy that can come in and and be a strong, a strong, strong defensive center. Um, a real opportunity for him, but not, not as fun as watching Karis LeVert anyway. No, no. I mean, Karis, I mean, I watched Karis drop 50 it, mostly in the fourth quarter and overtime against Boston before oh, yeah. the uh, shutdown. So that was, that was, uh, yeah, that was fun. But uh, one other name I want to throw out there, uh, Chris Middleton. Okay. Uh, you, t- you talk about very much in the Jason Tatum vein. Can he do what he was doing before the shutdown? He was having the best season of his life. And his true shooting up over 60% for the first time in his career. I mean, he's, uh, he just, on fire. I mean, he's he's on the verge, right? No, he he's not. Never mind. He's not at fifty forty nine. Um, he's not far off. He's, it, he's 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 close. He's like, actually he actually he, is close. He's forty nine point nine, forty nine point nine, ninety point one, and forty one point eight. So he is right. so he he's is on a, the verge. He's a bees dick away from fifty forty ninety. So if if he can keep that going, then that's. I mean, how huge has he been to Milwaukee's? Uh, restart. I mean, Milwaukee's uh, record this year. But in the restart, what's the one thing that we're talking about? Ugly, poor shooting, bad basketball. If Middleton comes out and is struggling shooting, and here's the other thing when you're talking about that. For shooters, the background is something that matters. The depth of field behind the basket is something that matters. One thing that they're trying to do in this time while they're setting up in these basically ballrooms is you're shooting in a place that you're not used to shooting. You're not shooting in a big arena. You're shooting in this weird thing, and the depth of field behind the backboard can mess with your hand-eye coordination, and it could be enough to have good shooters struggle a little bit until they get their, their bearings. But if you're struggling a little bit with your shot, then that chips away at your confidence a little bit. It chips away at the rest of your game a little bit. And so guys like Tatum, guys like uh, Middleton, these guys who have had these monster seasons or monster stretches, how is that going to impact them? If Middleton comes back down to earth, then that changes the Milwaukee hopes uh, a bit as well because, sure, Giannis is going to Giannis, but, like, if all of a sudden you feel a little bit better coming off of Middleton because he's been struggling, then that that just it gives you that extra step that that maybe forces a Giannis jumper versus a Giannis drive. 
It is going to be interesting to watch um, so much exciting basketball, hopefully, uh, maybe with some bad basketball thrown in there coming up in the next couple of weeks. John, you'll have all the Celtics stuff covered for us over on Locked On Celtics. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me today. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Anytime. And that does it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and give us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way of helping out the show. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.